and welcome to Les Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. Um, I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi, and hi, everyone. How are you? I'm good. A little concerned about the state of the world, but otherwise great. Yeah, right? It's uh, Things are very unsettling um, yeah. and very scary. Um, and I just don't even know what to make of things right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we always have, uh, romance novels, right? To, to help take us away from all of that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the best ex- escape right now. Yes, definitely. You know, uh, it, it really is. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, Things aren't going to to improve very rapidly. So, um, you know, I think that uh, we, we need these kinds of escapism and outlets uh, to really take us away from all that. Um, mm-hmm. So so thank you for writing and doing all that you do, Jay. Uh, it's my my escape as well. Sometimes you just need to have this guaranteed happy ending. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you are correct about that. So, you know, you've been writing romance novels for quite some time. Um, and what what was your first published novel? Um, the first one I published was Backwards to Oregon. It wasn't the first one I wrote, but the first one I published, um, the first edition um, came out at the end of 2007. Um, back then I was with a U.S. publisher called L Book, uh, which no longer exists. Um, and it was the second novel I wrote in English, but the first one I, I published. Okay. Backwards to Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a historical romance and it's set in 1851 on the Oregon trail. And one of the two main character is Luke, um, who's pretty much a reader favorite. And, um, she is actually a woman who's, who's been living as a man ever since she was a teenager. And I think if she were living today in our more modern times, I think she would have probably identified as non-binary. Um, she really can't imagine living as a woman, um, especially not in the 19th century where women had no rights. Um, but she, she also doesn't quite 100% identify with the men either. Um, so which makes her very much alone and a loner. Um, she d- doesn't really have anyone. And um, in Backwards to Oregon, she meets Nora, who is a single mother who works um, as a prostitute in a brothel um, to, to make ends meet and to, to feed her three-year-old daughter. And um, Luke ends up proposing to her um, without telling Nora that actually she's not a man. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they, they are now on a journey of 2,000 miles um, from Missouri to Oregon, across the entire country, in a wagon train, um, um, and starting out not trusting each other. They are very, both of them learn to rely only on themselves, and um, yeah, that's it's an interesting journey. Yeah, it sounds it. That's great. I have not read that, so that is definitely right up my alley. I, I love, uh, you know... Uh, I, I love those settings from like the old West. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorites. So yeah, I will definitely check that out. That sounds good. Now, uh, backwards to Oregon is actually right 
uh, part of a series. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's part of the Oregon series. Um, it, it was so popular with readers, and I got so many feedback emails asking for a sequel. And at first, I was like, no, I think the book is complete. There won't be a sequel. But um, the characters, they, they wouldn't let me go. And so there's now it's an entire series, the Oregon series, um, with two um, full novels, Backwards to Oregon and then the sequel, Hidden Truths which is set 17 years after Backwards to Oregon and when Amy, the daughter, is an adult and she gets her own romance. Um, and we also have a, a collection of short stories, Beyond the Trail, and two single short stories and kind of a spin-off book, um, Shaken to the Core, that uh, features uh, Nora's and Luke's granddaughter and it's set in 1906. Wow, so you really, that, that's three generations of women. Yep. That's so cool. What a yep. great, great concept. I've never, I don't think I've ever encountered anything like that where, uh, you know, writers have done sequels um, in generations. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, Lucy, the granddaughter, chokes at one point that like no one in her family, like only one person, her brother is straight, but the rest for them, it's completely normal not to be straight. Oh, that's so cool. What a utopia, huh? Yep. <laughs> Very cool. So um so you published that back in two thousand and seven, like the, the first one. And and what then is your, your most recent release? Mm -hmm. The most recent one is um a Friends to Love Us Romans, um uh, titled Chemistry Lessons. Oh. And um it's about Regan and Kai uh, Kylie, um who have been best friends pretty much since they were five years old. Um, and everyone thinks either they are already a couple or they should be a couple because they would be so perfect for each other. Um, but they insist that, oh, no, no, there's no chemistry between us. Um, and, and Regan thinks, I know something about chemistry because she's a chemistry teacher. Aha. And so they set out to prove to their friends who won't let it go um, um, that there really is no chemistry by conducting a little experiment um, and so they they say they will go on three dates with each other kind of like mixing two substances and proving there is no reaction but of course as you can imagine it doesn't quite go like that oh my goodness that is great I love it I love the premise mm -hmm. it was really fun to write oh I bet it sounds like it's uh, gonna be a fun one to read and and mm -hmm. is that out right now or is it coming oh, yeah. yeah that was that was the the uh, 2021 novel um it was out uh, i think in august and my next one is coming um also in august of this year so a little more than a month to go oh great and what's the the one that's coming out what's the name of that um that's the name is just a touch away um and it has an, an interesting premise as well um one of the two characters is a professional cuddler um, which is actually, yeah, it's a thing. Is um, that a real thing? Yeah, it's totally real. Um, of course, it kind of took a little bit of a of a um, hit during the pandemic um, when people couldn't just make an appointment to cuddle with a stranger. Yeah. Um, but I think um, when the pandemic is truly over um, and, and people are so staffed for connection and for touch, um, I think it will it will really, um, there will be a lot of demand for professional cuddling. Um, and it's an interesting profession. Um, it's, it's 
different than I imagined it to be. It has so much to do with with teaching people um, about consent and speaking up about what they want and need and what they don't want. Oh, I imagine, um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and um, the, the premise of the book is that the professional cuddler, which is more of a social person, um, she inherits a building, um, an apartment building, with a aloof ice queen who is, she wants to be left alone. Um, and so they inherit the building together, but there's a condition. Um, they have to live together for three months in order to inherit. Um, and so they kind of clash in the beginning and um, argue about everything, even about what kind of doormat they they want for the apartment. So <laughs> That's great. So I, I'm really curious about this professional cuddler. How mm -hmm. did you happen upon that? I don't exactly remember where I saw it. Um, somewhere online, probably, like in a list of interesting jobs or something like that. Okay. And, and I, that was years ago already, at least two or so years. And I immediately, I have a thick notebook full of story ideas. And I mean, professional cuddling, I mean, that's perfect for romance. And so I immediately wrote it down and yeah. knew that one day I would write about it. Great. And how did you how did you do your research for that? Did you go? Um, uh, no, it was the pandemic. So the the one thing I didn't do is make an appointment with a professional cuddler. But all the rest, I I read everything there is online about professional cuddling. Um, I went through the first step of the certification um, program, mm -hmm. like a like an online course that you can take to that teaches you like the different cuddling. Um, positions and um, the, the the code of conduct and everything um, and watched a lot of um, YouTube videos and um, yeah so most of it was online yeah yeah wow so it is a legit business with their own like code of ethics and and certification um, it's not quite um, regulated by law yet. It's okay. a very new industry, but um, there are efforts to to um, uh, make it a little bit more um, to to establish some rules and to establish some quality control. Um, so there are platforms that that um, offer um, further education to cutlers and um, supervision. Um, and and courses they can take before seeing the first client, but not it's not a must do. It's not like you can only be a professional cutler if you have it, but um, a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah, it makes them more legitimate. Exactly. Yeah, wow. and more and more safe. You know, um, like they they have to learn how to screen their clients um, and to make it clear that what they are offering is a completely platonic service. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably so important and probably yeah. gets misconstrued, um, you know. Wow. Yep. So, um, you know, it sounds like you happened upon this and then did some research. And, and normally, do you do research, like, way ahead of time? Um, and then begin writing, or do you like research as you go along, or, or maybe even both? Um, no, I do the research, most of the research first, because I always come up with great ideas for the plot um, by doing the research. 
and um, I find out what type of character would be attracted to this kind of job, for example. Not everyone can do it. And so um, in my process, once I have the initial idea, I always start with a lot of research. I do way more research that I actually need um, to really make it realistic. Um, I, I feel like anyone who actually does that job should be able to nod along as they are reading and say, yes, this is how it's actually. So, so you're pretty, I'll say, calculated in, in how you uh, do your research and, and it, it helps kind of formulate characters even and, and plots. Um, yeah. Wow. That is, uh, that's really, um, I want to say like a scientific approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty organized. Most writers I know are more of the, um, oh, let's start writing first and then think about the rest later. Um, but I'm more organized. My brain doesn't work like that. So I, I learned what works for me. And sometimes it's, quote, unquote, a waste of time. But I don't think it really is. Like for this novel, I did like, 900 hours of research Whoa. yeah and not everything makes it into the book but if i know pretty much everything there is to know about a topic i really can can make it more realistic i always say like it's like an iceberg you know like you only show the tip of the iceberg um in the novel but the rest is there and it carries the tip and i think readers still sense it they they feel like they're in the hand of an expert and it's not just um, a few details, but but I, I feel like I need to fundamentally understand what life is like for that character. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. That is, you know, uh, are you familiar with the uh, TV show Jeopardy? Um, I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, I bet you you're really good at Jeopardy. It's all about like trivia about um, yeah, yeah, I would say that being a writer really um, contributes to my um, education because um, uh, this is my 23rd novel. And wow. for every book, it's I learn at least like two topics um, and maybe in another setting and a job or a hobby or some kind of background or, or disability that they have. And I think that what makes books so special, um, not just for the writer, but also for the reader that you get to step into someone else's shoes and you can imagine, okay, what is life like for a professional cuddler, for um, someone who has MS or, you know, like anything. Um, and I think that's, that's really what, what makes writing so special for me to, to learn new things and um, new, new perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing uh, I find for myself, the best way to learn is to teach. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you cross subgenres. It seems like like your, your uh, overarching genre is romance. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. And, and then like your subgenres, so you, you seem to um, really switch up sometimes like you're, you're doing contemporary romance and some historical romance, um, mm -hmm. uh, suspense um paranormal right yeah. um mm -hmm. so that's a lot of research about a whole lot of different types of subjects that's that's mm -hmm. pretty amazing um 
what what has been like your favorite? What do you like to write? What's your favorite subgenre? I don't actually have a favorite subgenre. As you said, my favorite genre is romance. Okay. But within romance, everything um, is fascinating to me. And what I like is not having to pick one. You know, I like the variety um, to be able to write a contemporary romance. And then if I feel like doing all of the research, I, I do a historical romance and then go back to contemporary and then do a paranormal romance. So um, I wouldn't want to pick just one um, because I enjoy different things about the different subgenres. And to be able to switch between them helps to keep it fresh and interesting. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, it's it probably uh, keeps you going, keeps you energized to, mm-hmm. to switch it up. Um, yeah. So what... What has been your favorite uh, book to research then? Oh, yeah. I don't think I can name one either. Like I pick topics that I would like to learn about. Okay. And and so um, everything um, I, I can't just name. I mean, the, the just a touch away, the, the one that is um, coming up in August um, was kind of special, not just because the professional cuddling was so fascinating, but also because um, Hannah, the, the professional cuddler, she has aphantasia, um, which is maybe you've heard of it. Um, yes. The in the inability to to um, visualize, mm-hmm. um, which I have. Oh. And I did for not... me, this is. Oh, go ahead. Well, how does that play into to writing then for you? Um, for me, it's not. It's in my normal state. Um, and I, have talked to several other authors who also have aphantasia and it's, it's probably like a little more cognitive for me. Um, I, 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 I talk to a lot of writers who don't have aphantasia and to, to them writing is like taking notes on a, in a movie that they are watching. Okay. And that kind of. I little literary can't imagine what that might be like um, because for me the aphantasia is not just not being able to visualize I also can't conjure up any other mental senses so um, I only found out I think like two years ago or last year um, from my my Facebook group for readers that when I'm describing a setting that some readers are able to smell whatever I'm describing or to taste it and to hear it and that was I knew about other people being able to visualize but I had no idea other people could like imagine voices and taste and that was mind-boggling I I couldn't believe it it's like finding out other people can see um ultraviolet or or in some other range that I don't have it's it was fascinating so it's uh it sounds like that has actually added to your writing skill level um, in that it's, it sounds like it's more cerebral. So you do a lot of research and, and do a lot of descriptors um, for the audience. Yeah. I I think it influences my writing um, good and bad. Probably it's, it just makes it different. Um, in that 
I, I don't know. I mean, I can't compare it because this is the only way I've personally experienced. But I think maybe in a way writing is kind of my natural um, thing because my inner world is all words. Yeah. These words don't have sound, but they are words. And and that's also often how I dream. I, I dream in stories, you know. And so for me, I don't have to translate in a movie that I'm seeing into words. It's already in words. Yeah. I just have to put them into on paper. Yeah. Um, so maybe it makes it easier. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. So uh, it's it's hard to say because I... I this is just how I've always been. And so it's, it's hard to say how it would be. I would like to try it the other way. And then probably I would prefer to go back. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, you've, you've adapted, you've, this is how you operate in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 That's yeah. great. Um, well, I would never, never would have known that. Um, so you, um, you have, as we said before, you like the um, Oregon series is one of your series. Um, but um, in addition to like some standalones, you have like a lot of series. Like uh, um, I was I was looking um, at your website and I mm -hmm. saw uh, Hollywood series, Moonstone, yeah. Shapeshifter, Vampire Diet, mm -hmm. Portland Police Bureau and Oregon so um when you started these series were they meant to be series or standalones and then turned into series like the Oregon series um usually it's the letter um I usually because romance doesn't really lend itself to series um yeah. um and and sometimes people there ask for for a sequel about the same characters and that's impossible to do because um a romance is a story of how two people get together. Mm -hmm. And once you've told that story, you've told the story. Yeah. Um, and you, of course you can revisit them. And I, and I love that because I, I'm, I, I really um, feel close to my character. So I love revisiting them. So that's when I write a short story. But if I write an entire novel on the same characters, it's by definition not a romance anymore it could be about a relationship but it's not a romance because the romance is about will they or won't they get together and how will they get together yeah. so what, what i sometimes do is or usually do is um if there's more to tell about a certain couple i will write a romance novel that is about another couple getting together and have the other um couple from the first book as supporting characters so that I can show readers how they are doing and how is the relationship going and, and maybe there are other things in life that they are struggling with and I can show that in addition to that new romance for the other couple. Yeah. And do you introduce, like typically, do you introduce the new couple in the original book? Um, sometimes. If I already, um, usually it's, um, let, like take... Um, uh, the Fair Oaks Oak series. It, it started out with Perfect Rhythm, mm -hmm. um, which is a story between a burnt-out pop star who comes home um, into her tiny little small hometown and um, falls in love um, with his her father's um, nurse, who is an asexual woman. And in that novel, I had supporting characters. Um, the Holly's best friend is a bakery owner. And um, Leo's ex 
um, girlfriend is um, a florist and owns a flower shop in that little town. And um, they were both very interesting and complex characters. So I knew, okay, um, they might make a good couple. Mm-hmm. So they were already in the first book as as um, supporting characters and then got their own book. So that's usually how it goes. Okay. All right. So, um, Jay, out of all of your 22 published novels, what would you say has been like the most difficult to write? Uh, finally, a question I can answer with a de- definitive, okay, this one <laughs> I can... I can decide on one. Um, definitely uh, just physical, um, which is part of the Hollywood uh, series, which is the third novel. Okay. Um, it's a book about um, Jill, who's a not yet very successful actress. Um, and she also has been diagnosed with um, multiple sclerosis. Mm. And um, she's still physically doing pretty well, but she doesn't know how long. Will it stay that way? Um, will it progress or not? Um, so she has decided for herself she is going to stay single. She feels like she will end up being a burden to a potential partner and she has no right to be in a relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, but she is a very, it's, it's not a, it might sound like a, tough to read the present book but it's not at all because Jill is really she was one of these minor characters who she was introduced in damage control as the best friend of the main character and she stole the scene whatever she she was in she stole the scene and she demanded her own book um she's such a fun and and really um spunky character who who has a, a great um witty sense of humor um yeah, and so in, in um, just physical, she meets a stunt woman um, and they fall in love and um, de- decide because Jill doesn't want a relationship that it's just going to be just physical, as the title says. Mm-hmm. And and that journey, that inner journey of her being very sure she should not have a relationship to slowly becoming more open mm-hmm. and understanding that having MS doesn't mean that she needs to stay alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that took me a lot of revision to get it right and to make it feel um, authentic. And I scrapped the entire three opening chapters, completely tossed them out and started over and, and rewrote the, the rest of the book um, completely. Wow. How long did it take you to from start to finish? Oh, I don't remember the exact, that was a few years ago, so I don't remember the exact, um, how long exactly, but the revisions took me as long as writing the first draft. So Sounds like it. I, I would say like maybe three months for the first draft and then another three to get it right. Wow. Okay. Like, does it typically, is that like your timeline for writing a book is like three months? Um, usually, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a slow writer. Um, I would say that's fast, Jay. Uh, not really. I mean, I do this full time. Okay. All right. So it's, I mean, full time. Uh, well, we all we full time writers say we write full time, but actually we we are wearing a lot of hats. It's yeah. it's a lot of other stuff that you do on the side. But um, I I know 
I try not to compare myself to other authors when I hear that they are writing like 5,000 words a day. I'm like, oh my God, I can only, only dream of that. But then again, um, because I do so extensive research, ex extensive plotting, character profiles, and I know the characters really well, and I'm a slow but very, very clean writer, okay. usually I don't need that much revision. Okay. Um, so pretty much I could write the first draft and I work with beta readers as I go. So by the time I'm I'm through the book, my beta readers are also through the book um, and I revise as I go. So by the end, I pretty much could publish the book almost. Wow, that's fantastic. That's uh, really, uh, you sound like you're really disciplined. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, yeah. It, it really helps if you're, like if you're working from home and your own boss, um, it helps to have discipline. Otherwise, you probably waste all your time on social media or, well, doing other things. Oh, yeah, I'd be so distracted. <laughs> so, uh, well, in addition, right, to being the uh, full-time writer, as you said, right, you mm -hmm. have another gig. You're um, a senior editor at Ilva uh, Publishing House. Right. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and tell us how, about how you became involved in that. And, and does it complement your, your writing career? Mm -hmm. um, well, it started not, it wasn't really planned that way. Um, the owner of Ilva Publishing, Astrid Oletz, um, is a fellow German. And um, there aren't that many Germans who are writing um, sapphic fiction in English. So we kind of know each other. Um, I started out... Um, uh, she started out um, writing her own books, um, not thinking about opening a publishing house. And about 15 years ago, um, she asked me to beta read for her. So that's how we knew each other. Um, and by the time she established her own publishing house, which I think was 10 years ago, um, I had already published five novels and several short stories, and I knew the, the publishing business. Um, so I was a bit of an unofficial advisor whenever she felt like she needed a second opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and a few months later, um, she kind of casually mentioned, um, if you ever want to publish a book with me, um, the door is always open. And, and that got me thinking that, you know, um, I could write my books in English and continue to publish them in English but then also translate them into my native language and make them available to German readers too, mm -hmm. because there isn't really that much sapphic romance uh, that is published in German. Oh, okay. Right. Um, yeah, so I I joined Ilva as an author, mm -hmm. um, and I at, at that point I had edited manuscripts for dozen of, dozens of other writers already, and... Um, I got a certificate in editing from the Academy of German Book Trade. Um, and I think in 2014, um, Astrid offered me the senior editor position. And yeah, I accepted. Cool. Good for you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you mentioned that uh, you, you know, published really for uh, or at least started publishing in English uh, and then will translate into German. Um, yeah. And and I'm wondering, like, um, do you, like, just in your overall content, um, do you try to write what you think readers want 
um, and that includes even in, in other languages? Or um, do you try to be original and, and just write what you want to write? Um, both, actually. Um, I, I don't really see it as a contradiction. Oh, that's um, good. I feel like what romance readers want is a heartfelt love story between two characters who are at the same time um, interesting and unique, mm -hmm. um, but also relatable. Yeah. Um, even if they are like celebrities or pop stars or actresses or... Uh, I don't know, spies or detectives or, or shapeshifters, um, they need to be relatable. Um, and But within that framework, I mean, that's very basic structure of what Romans readers want. Um, I, I feel that leaves so much space for unique ideas um, yeah. that I don't feel like I'm constricted by reader expectations. And I mean, I started out as a reader. I have been a lifelong reader, and I write the books that I want to read as a reader. Um, right now, I'm rereading one of my own books um, because I just like them, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I can do both, um, give readers what they want, because it's coincidentally also what I want to write. That's awesome. That's yeah. That's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, how has becoming like a published author changed your life? Oh my God, changed it so completely. Um, if I could go back and tell like my 20 year old self, yeah. what would be my life 20 years later, I would have been, <laughs> yeah, sure. I would not have believed it. Really? Um, yeah, no. I mean, I think very few people grow up thinking that they can make a living as a writer. Yeah. Because it's just a reality. Very few people can. And if you figure out, oh, okay, um, I'm a lesbian and I want to write about lesbians and, and sapphic people. Well, it's a small genre, you know. Yeah. You're, and you're narrowing your, your reader audience. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, I, I could make more money if I wrote something else, but I don't want to write something else and mm -hmm. I don't want to kind of sell out. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't think it was like a realistic option. Um, and the, the first book, of course, it was the, a milestone on that journey. But back in 2007, the publishing world looked completely different. Um, I, th I think that was actually the, the year that the, the Amazon introduced the Kindle. Oh, okay. Um, e-books were just starting, slowly starting, and yeah. some people thought it wouldn't take, you yeah. know, it wouldn't, like, it was just a, a phase. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the world was very different back then, the publishing world. Yeah. Um, so I think no one could have predicted that. I, I didn't think it would happen, and it was only maybe five years later that when I had half a dozen books out, um, that it really looked like, okay, it might be a realistic option for me to do this full time. I was still taking a chance. Yeah. Um, but, um, it, it was, it looked doable. Um, and it changed my complete life. I mean, I get to work from home, which fits my personality much better. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was a blessing during the pandemic for sure. Yeah. 
I met so many people um, who became an important part of my life, um, pretty much my two very best friends um, I met through my writing. Um, I met so many readers who told me I changed their lives. Oh, and that's just like, that's better than any award, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there are, I, I always think of the, the people who are in like remote areas and don't have access to, you know, uh, libraries or bookstores yeah. or, you know, um, like it's just, you know, social media and uh, eBooks and, you know, yeah. um, it just really have transformed people's lives. Um, Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in, in a tiny, tiny little village of 800 people, mm. no openly LGBT people. Um, there were libraries, I mean, in the next town over, but there was no LGBT content that I could find. So it kind of, it's incredible how far we've come. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, yeah, it was a journey that I, I never would have thought would happen, but I'm very glad it did. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I want to ask you this kind of as, as a second part of this, this question is, so then what does literary success look like to you? Um, I'm, uh, I, I like a simple life. I, I don't need to make a million or be on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, I think pretty much what I'm already doing um, to be able to write the books I love, mm -hmm. make a living from it. Mm -hmm. As I said, it's not about the money, but food costs money. So yeah. it's nice to be able to eat. Um, <laughs> That's a good and, thing. Yeah. Um, and to be able to hear from readers who love my books just as much. And yeah, I, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 You're, you're not, uh, you're not asking for fame and fortune. No, I, I don't want fame and fortune. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm now in a place where I'm pretty well known in our genre. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try to use that for good. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't want the attention of being like a super famous celebrity. Um, I like my life the way it is. And yeah, I'm at the point where I really am happy with my life. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Contentment is nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned that um, your 20 year old self uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and now, and um, do you think like in, in everything that you've seen, uh, in, in publishing and writing in, in, you know, the, the sapphic world, um, from, from my vantage point, I think it's changed a lot, um, and, and just grown tremendously. Um, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you mean the LGBT community or the publishing world? Or? Uh, the publishing and writing world in particular. Oh, Yeah. It changed a lot. Like I already said, ebooks. Um, it was a revolution. Um, it was a really big change. Um, now it's like most authors make their income, um, or most of their income from ebooks, um, and the paperbacks are more like an aside. Mm -hmm. um, the audiobook market is really growing. Um, audiobooks are really becoming popular. Um, 
as a reader, I also got into audiobooks. I still read a lot of ebooks, um, but to give my eyes a break at night, I also listen to audiobooks. And um, I think a lot of authors are seeing more income from audiobooks, which is it's also great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a big change, definitely, too. And um, uh, it just even, um, I think, marketing and um, you know, communications has changed so much that people who who want to self-publish um, really have an opportunity to do that and to do it well. Whereas mm -hmm. in the past, that was so difficult. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Now the if you look at the top one hundred um, of lesbian romans at Amazon, um, it's dominated by indie authors. Really? Um, because yeah, yeah, totally. I would say like. 85%. Wow. Yeah. That um, surprises me. Uh, they can be more flexible than, than publishing houses. Um, a lot of them um, know the market really well and they know how to promote themselves. Um, and I think as an author, it's a, that's one thing that I really like about it is that you constantly have to learn and to, to adjust to new situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. It's true. You do. And things are changing so fast, you know, and yeah. uh, you, you have to keep up with it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, I am looking forward to uh, August where Just a Touch Away will be published. Right. And mm -hmm. is that through Ilva Publishing? Yeah, it will be, I think, out everywhere August 24. Awesome. We look forward to that. And uh, I'm going to check out Backwards to Oregon. Actually, I think I'm going to uh, check out the uh, audio version of that. Oh, great. Yeah. So, um, Jay, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Well, most of all, I think I'd like to say thank you to my listeners and, and to our to my readers. Um for following me on this journey and I mean I couldn't do it without my readers um, and especially those who've read pretty much everything I've written um, maybe historical romance or paranormal even if it's a little bit out of their com comfort zone and they normally only enjoy contemporary they they give gave a ch chance to this subgenres and trusting me to still make it an enjoyable book for them and I very much appreciate that that they place so much trust in me. And so, yeah, thank you. Well, we appreciate that you keep writing all the, the great books that you do. So, uh, and again, we look forward to August 24th when Just a Touch Away is released. Yep. Well, uh, thank you again, Jay, for being with us today. That's all the time that we have. Um, I'm Anita Kelly, and thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. Until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks. <laughs>